Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Let's get the party started. When was the last time you shit your pants? You think I'm a damn fool? I shit my pants last night. <laughs> it's a beautiful planet. Well, it's a moon. For sure. I'm sick and tired of all this bullshit. Put that in your What's up, everybody? Josh for Clearing Waivers Podcast coming at you again for another episode of the Clearing Waivers Podcast. Hope you're doing great. We uh, hope you had a great week from the last time we spoke with you. Uh, tonight, we've got a lot of stuff to get to. There's a very, very big week ahead of us here. Royals are hot. Chiefs draft week. We've got a special interview with a new friend. We made a friend this week. Uh, so that's always always fun uh, we get to get to figure out who that is in just a second but uh, um, we do want to thank again each and every one of you for joining us for this week if you want to share us with a friend go for it if you want to follow us on social medias at clearing waivers go for it if you want to give us a five-star review go for it we're here to empower the people and and help the listeners feel powerful and to feel powerful you can help us out with uh, with growing this podcast that we're trying to do but uh, again Appreciate you being here tonight. We've got to talk Chiefs. We've got to talk Royals. There's some big moves on both ends of it coming up. And, of course, we've got to get to some shenanigans for uh, for the week. First off, we're going to lead off with this interview. But before we did in this interview, we got to get it off with that theme song, baby. We're clearing the waivers. So we have a new friend, Kent Swanson from Arrowhead Pride, joined us to talk a little Chiefs. We talked a little Orlando Brown Jr. trade. We talked a little bit of a draft uh, preview. Uh, go get that Casey draft guide that we're going to talk about shortly. Very good stuff. Only I think it's $10 without a promo code, um, but you can go back and listen to some of their old AP Lab episodes to uh, potentially get a promo code to get you $8 for the draft guide. So with the Chiefs picking at 58 and 63, there's almost guaranteed to have at least two to three guys that uh, they've written up and kind of given us a good idea of who they are, how they're going to fit with the Chiefs, and what we can kind of potentially expect from their career arc or their physical profiles, if you will. So um, great stuff there. I want to pimp that again. But we had a great interview with Ken Swanson. Uh, Without further ado, let's get to it. Here he is, Ken Swanson. Tonight, we're joined by the Kent Swanson from Arrowhead Pride and the AP Laboratory for the time being. Uh, some big, big news that uh, that came up the uh, last few days. So we're seeing that you're are hitting the road and, and checking up another opportunity. But uh, we we had just lined up. We were excited to get you for the, for the draft week. Uh, you guys have been doing great work with the Kansas City Draft Guide. By the way, if you haven't bought the KC Draft Guide, it is absolutely phenomenal. The great, the work, the scouting. I love the Chiefs specific fits yep. to it. Uh, it's great information here. The KC Draft Guide. Uh, we wanted to have Ken Swanson on to talk a little bit about the Chiefs 
and then they go and drop some big big news so it's <laughs> been it's been quite a week for kent ken how uh, how are you holding up after all this i'm hanging in there man it's uh it's a big week here uh for it's a very emotional week uh and i'm sorry sorry i dropped that on you guys like hey yeah i'll do your podcast and also (laughs) big changes are coming (laughs) big changes but uh yeah man really uh appreciate you having me on and yeah we're just it's emotional week (laughs) yep well we uh like i said we're we're excited to see what's next for for you three we've talked to craig a few times already uh big time fan friend of craig um, so we were excited to get Kent and maybe, maybe one of these days we can collect the, collect the set, get Maddie Lane involved, but, uh, Hey, Maddie's always down. Maddie's he's always, he's down. always okay. down. Just you hit him up next time and you can, yeah, you can have your, your complete set there. Okay. Last week we had the Royals farm report guys on, we had a little podcast versus podcast trivia part. So maybe if we can get everybody in the same schedule, maybe there's something there. Just don't let Maddie create the game. Okay. I, <laughs> that yeah, never the, works out well ever. For the, us. Uh, the the bullshit meter thing that he came <laughs> up with last week was uh you, you guys properly gave him shit for that because it was very confusing i yep. think it's like maddie tries to be intentionally vague and bad at this now like i think it's an art like i think and some people are going to appreciate it i don't anytime he does it but <laughs> Well, it's, it's, it's everybody, everybody plays a role in that podcast. That's part of why I love it. You guys have your characters or your shtick or whatever you want to call it. You guys are purely <laughs> just yourselves, but you guys are certainly uh, consistent with, uh, with your characters. So I, it's part of the reason I love the uh, AP laboratory, but um, like I said, we're, we're pumped to see what's next, but we wanted to kind of get you on. I mean, chiefs have had a big week already. Uh, plenty of um, rumors and stuff going on. And then they, completely made a huge huge trade to kind of set them up to go into the draft um, and then speaking of the draft and that trade the Orlando Brown Jr. trade um, seemed like you know there was plenty of buzz pre you know the last couple of weeks like do they move up do they move down um, do they go get more uh, draft capital with a move down uh, do they move up to go get an offensive tackle or an edge where they kind of thought that those tiers were going to be um, so is it ridiculous to kind of think that with all the things considered involved in this trade, did they do both? <laughs> um, kind of. Okay. That's good enough. I mean, I mean we can move on. That's no, fine. no, they kind of, I mean, it's, it's, it's fascinating how they did it. They wanted it. They didn't want to give up the value of the 31st pick. And it kind of sounds reading some of the stuff that's been out there that, you know, Baltimore and Kansas city were kind of navigating and trying to, you know, come to some level of consensus there, you know? Yeah. And <laughs> apparently they used like eight different draft value charts <laughs> to try to determine, you know, what, what the right move was. And they still have a lot of flexibility in this draft. They came a roundabout way. They have, you know, some draft capital to play around with. They could do a lot of different things with those two late seconds. Uh, <laughs> right. But uh, they also secured a, a quality left tackle. It's, an, it's extremely fascinating how they did it and how they came to it. But uh, I like the move overall. I think it's a good. I think it's a good way to approach things. Yeah, to that point, how confident are you that he is going to be the the left tackle of the future, if you will? Say five years from now, is he still the starting left tackle for this team? Yeah, I feel pretty good about it. 
I do. Um, you know, I do think that there's probably a little bit of wait and see from a contractual perspective. They want to see him play a little bit more at the left tackle spot. And that's entirely fair because I mean, he's got a very small sample size. He's got a bigger sample size than PFF thinks. Uh, uh, or at least, you know, maybe some of the spreadsheet guys there. Um, but you know, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think they're probably, you know, getting a look at him and see how he operates within this offense. I do know he fits a lot of thresholds Andy Reid likes. I mean, Andy Reid likes his arm length. Um, I think he likes his height, his size, um, based on some stuff, not just that we did for the KC draft guide, but some stuff I've heard since then. Uh, And he meets all those requisite, you know, um, physical profiles. So um, I think this is going to be a really good pairing when it's all said and done and, I think Patrick Mahomes' left side is going to be secure and trying to run left is going to be a lot of fun too. Yep, I like that. I was just listening to the the podium, the press conference of Orlando Brown today, and it was interesting. One of the more interesting things that I, I brought back from it um, was the fact that it wasn't really about money in Baltimore. It was about the opportunity to play left left tackle. He's talking about his dad was like, Wait, you're either playing left, left tackle or you're going to play defense his whole life. So it was very interesting to kind of see – and like to your point, it kind of it will be interesting to kind of how see how they move forward with it contractually and monet- monetarily because it is the opportunity left tackle. It sounds like it's the most intriguing part that that he wants to be you know playing full for for a long time. There's a lot of legacy to this for him. Yep. You know that's kind of what the vibe is for me is you know he he's got a legacy he wants to live up to and um you know, if that's the case, if it's not money driven, I think that's a really positive indicator for how he's going to approach trying to become the best left left tackle he can. I think the chiefs are pretty obviously, um, you know, they're confident that what they're hearing and seeing from him as far as his motivations, I think is a good, good sign for, for what's going to come here. Oh yeah. And bringing him in, we did cut two tackles in the off season. So, um, (laughs) The right side, is that a concern at all, or is that still a position of need in your mind with this draft? Um, I don't think it's going to be a, a position they attack on the right side. Um, I think <laughs> I like the idea of what they have over there. Like, I think it could work. I think it will work, you know, whatever, you know, if Lucas and Yang takes steps and, and, and uh, really improves himself over there, if Mike Remmers has to play there a little bit more. Kyle Long I think you know the best player will play out over there and I mean, that's duh Kent but <laughs> um but I but I think they've given themselves some good swings over there you okay. know and I think they've given themselves some quality depth too so I think that's a good thing that they have going for them in that regard and leading up to this draft you guys have been pretty consistent with you know your first round pick is almost always needs to be best player available and now we've obviously traded that away. We no longer have a third round pick. We've got that 58 and 63 sitting there. That kind of adds a little pressure on maybe filling some holes. Do you still think they stick with best player available or is it best player available at the spots we kind of need? I think there's a lot of needs on this team. <laughs> <laughs> so I think there's a very good chance that best player available or pretty near best player available is going to be a guy that they need. You know, you could go corner, edge, wide receiver, center. I mean, I just listed four positions. You know, like I think there's going to be a really quality player available to them at one of those spots and two of those spots, really, because they're only five picks apart at 58 and 63 if they stay there. I mean, I think it'd be really fascinating to see if this team just tries to catch value at the bottom Mm -hmm. of the draft and they just take the highest guy on their board, more or less, you know, and and maybe 
maybe it's like you know there's there's a, a receiver maybe diana I'm, I'm not saying diami brown's gonna be there but it's like a diami brown that's the uh, name i keep seeing yeah 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 i mean if he's around if landon dickerson falls down there because of medicals i take that swing you know yeah. and so um yeah i think there's a lot of ways to think you go it just got really interesting with two picks it got real interesting there yeah. I agree. And so let's let's add a weapon, theoretically. Well, knowing what's offense, knowing Andy Reid's system, let's talk about two, it, two, two types of guys that you've got your stamp on in the guide. You've got Josh Palmer, wide receiver, looking for another outside wide receiver. He gets the Kent Swanson stamp. And then we go to Tommy Trimble, and we look at maybe upgrading our tight end two, adding a weapon there, kind of a little outside the box, doing a Patriots approach back in the day before they went on a killing spree. And – so which 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 kind of guy? Not they necessarily... went on a killing spree, or just one of <laughs> well, things got yeah. things got real. Yeah, this is like this took a turn here real quick. So let's not just say that player against this player. Let's say the type of player. Do you want to want upgrade tight end two or upgrade wide receiver two? Based on uh, I'd probably upgrade. I'd I'd upgrade wide receiver two if I had a choice, just because playing time. I mean, and it's not. I mean, the Chiefs use a lot of twelve personnel. Um, they want to use a lot more two personnel or two tight end personnel. Uh, I do know that um, they they kind of wanted to the last couple of years. Um, so getting a good player makes that happen. But wide receiver two uh, is still going to get a lot more snaps. He's going to get a lot more opportunities. He's going to get on the field more, and he's going to make a bigger impact from a play to play basis. Because whether or not the Chiefs want to play more uh, twelve heavier, more tight ends, you know, there's still always there's going to very often more often be three receivers on the field. And right. so you need that third receiver and they have one really right now, one proven guy, I think at this juncture. Yeah. The, uh, the first time I'm, I don't call it, I don't follow college football a whole lot outside of us. So Tommy Trimble and the draft guide was the first time I'd really gotten in a taste of him really not a <laughs> Notre Dame football fella, but the fact that he got three stamps of approval on that just, <laughs> and then and then you hit me with the George Kittle player comp at the end. I don't I don't care what you said on page one. I'm going to be George Kittle at this point in, in my mind. But Craig did this with with Willie Gay last year and, and uh, uh, Derek Johnson. Derek Johnson. Yeah. So at this point, Tommy Trimble is George Kittle and it'd be stupid for the Chiefs to pass up on him at round two. <laughs> stupid. You're just going to make it look like we're comping a second round pick. <laughs> To the second best tight end in the national sure, football league. Sure. He's got a lot of similarities, man. I yep. think, you know, you the nasty blocker, the finisher, upside as a pass catcher, not yet realized, good athletic profile. A lot of those things kind of similarly mirror George Kittle. And that's why we went with the comp, not necessarily <laughs> the career projection for a Tommy <laughs> Trimble. But uh, yeah, no, it's, he, dude, he's, he's a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, he's one of my favorite players in this class, obviously. And the funny thing is, Craig actually had a my guy stamp on him, but he saw there was already three, and he was like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna share the love a little bit." Yep. <clears throat> so uh, that's that's actually that's the truth about it. Uh huh. That's that's a total Craig move, I think. Is that yeah. got to uh, mix that, it up a little bit? Mm -hmm. That sounds about right. I was certainly intrigued by Tommy Trimble's success or potential profile as. Uh, when we were looking for potential tackle and you're talking about his blocking skills, I wondered if that was going to be able to help on the outside, help protect Pat. And I'm all protect, all about protecting Patrick Mahomes at this point. So if Trimble, you know, if he turns into that guy and is able to help a tackle somewhere, that, that's huge. So 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's a lot of that. There's a lot to that, man, because I think it's not, you know, he'll help Pat, but it'll be in a lot of different ways. Maybe not staying in and pass protection either. It might be, you know, a good chip out of the backfield. It might be, you know, the pressure he's going to help put offensively in the pass game. There's a lot of ways he can help. Yeah, I like it. Well, uh, you're a big Chiefs guy, but you're also a Royals guy. We wanted to to get your take a little bit about always game. Hashtag (laughs) always game. Um, we wanted to get your kind of take about, you know, Royals just coming off another win here this, uh, uh, today, this is yeah. re- recording Monday afternoon, just beat the Tigers and swept them first four game road sweep since 1999. So we're going to party like it's 1999, but you did take to Twitter yesterday on Sunday and you tweeted, can't wait to see who the Royals add at the trade deadline <laughs> to help them lock up the division. I have a lot of things, a lot of issues with you looking you know, potentially jinxing us down the road. So that's my one number one. But who do you hate in this Royals team that you already are looking to replace, Kent? Okay, who, look, who is it that you hate so much that they, you're already done with them? I don't listen. I it was it was being a little cheeky <laughs> about the fact that they're going to add stuff. It was more about talking about how the the Royals are going to the playoffs and they're the best team in the world. Yep. Um, but also with that caveat, like. I mean, I think they can, I think they could, I mean, the bats have been kind of cold. Oh, yeah. uh, I think for the, for the first stretch, I think you can always add more bullpen arms. Um, they definitely can, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I don't think Tyler Zuber is a game changer. Well, um, you never know. <laughs> you never know, right? Never but like, know. I, I just, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I hope that, you know, I hope things continue 14 and seven is a pretty big deal. And they just beat up on a bad baseball team. Yep. That's part of being a good baseball team and, and, winding up playing late into the years if you beat up on bad baseball teams and do what you're supposed to do yep you know i mean that's that's a that's a formula for success i hope they're in a position that they feel like they need to add some players and honestly at this point kind of feels like we're we're heading towards interesting baseball in july and august yep. and that's all i can ask for right yep as long as you can watch it I'm going to continue the bit, but I might have bought a VPN. <laughs> oh, yep. Allegedly. Okay. I'm mad Allegedly. for the rest of this, the rest of us. Uh-huh. But yep. yeah, I might have bought a VPN this week. Still fighting the fight, but I'm going to fight it. Yeah. I'm fighting yeah, yeah. for everyone who doesn't have a VPN or T-Mobile and gets access to free MLB TV. Uh-huh. So, I like it. Just I'm, saying. I'm not, not supporting that, but can't <laughs> condone it, obviously, with uh, with our ties. But, well, but, but to that um, point, I mean, it's also exciting that these upgrades can come within <laughs> like to yeah. think about adding a Bobby Wood Jr. bat to this lineup or some of those power arms that are supposedly on the verge. I mean, they Damn may not Lynch. even have to really trade for much. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the, the arms could theoretically come from, you know, Asa, if yeah. Asa Lacey and if they want to burn some service time on some of these guys, yeah, you can get Jonathan Bolin in here and all that stuff. It's going to be interesting, man. Yep. You know, you all see what a Jonathan Bowling can get you from a bat yep. perspective. Is that going to get you Chris Bryant for three months, you know, or, you know, it's That's worth monitoring. Crazy. It's going to get wild here pretty quick, but I'm geeked out to, to I, see I what happens. 21 games out of 162 game season is the equivalent of what? Like two? the first half of week one of the Chiefs no. and everybody's no, it's like, two. This, it's is two. It. this is nah. it. It's two weeks. The Chief, well, they, the Royals are two and zero oh with two right. double digit oh, no, wins right. right now. That's right. Yep. You're right. They're two and zero oh with two double digit wins. I mean, hey, there's some optimism here. It's true. I like it. I just my my worry is just that we gotta we gotta pace ourselves here, guys. We got oh, July I'm, and June to run through. 
look, this team lets me down every April. Uh-huh. <laughs> so getting to watch good baseball in April and maybe the inevitable being delayed until May or April or June. At this point, the inevitable <laughs> yeah. is gonna be it's gonna be June before we know. Yeah. So like this is great. I don't feel inevitable doom now. Yeah. Scott, I love it. This this kind of speaks to another thing that that you've done for me personally. Oh no. <laughs> you have personally like back when the Chiefs were kind of making their run, and everybody's like, "Well, when is the floor gonna drop out? The playoffs are where the Kansas City Chiefs go to die. When's the floor gonna drop?" And you were the first one planting the flag to me. That was just like the curses. There's it's over. Pat, Patrick Mahomes is the ruiner of, of the chief's curses. And everybody needs to remember that he is the savior at this point. So you were the first person to kind of be able to make me realize like, yeah, why the hell not? I mean, yep. this is, this is what he does. It's, it's crazy. And like, I mean, I get why our city is the way it is. <laughs> like we've been hurt a lot. Yeah. But You're talking to two Mizzou fans, so we it seems like even oh. more so it's 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 also that way. I don't feel bad about that part, but yeah, um, that's fine. We're not asking for sympathy. We're just nope. saying, you know, we we're, we know we're more than most people, obviously. <laughs> but no, like the shoe, everybody's always waiting for the shoe to drop in this yeah. city, and I I I mean, it was, I think it was kind of just like after after the AFC Championship game in what was basically his rookie year. Mm-hmm. I mean. I don't know. Like he normalized a lot of things and like he just blasted every record, every single game record that we've ever seen. And he's done things like, I don't think we went from nothing to something so fast that no one has any context to the realities that we live in. Seriously. You, you know, think about it. Like we went from ball and you're like, Holy shit. Now what? 30, exactly. 35 years, never having a quarterback in the first round. And then they go from, you know, Alex Smith, who is protect the football, let your defense, you know, carry you or lift you up and, and do, you know, to the best player in the world, mm-hmm. literally, Captain unlike Lodity. anyone we've ever seen ever in this sport. <laughs> and it's like, we don't have any, there's no gap that we have anything to measure anything off of. Uh-huh. And so I think people just need to realize, like, I think it's just an acknowledgement, like, guys, you're going to be in it every year forever, even mm-hmm. if some of the decisions this football team makes stink. So, okay, I'm he'll, ready. He'll um, Royals going to playoffs this year. Yep. I'm ready. Yes. You heard we're, it here. we're doing it. Don't wait for that other shoe to drop. Uh uh-uh. uh. It's not Ever. a shot. All the shoes are gone. They're all on the floor and we're still here. Patrick Mahomes owns the Royals and all of a sudden. No, nope, there it is. You know, I'll tell you, he's I'm King Midas here. This, this guy. Saying. Um, speaking of players that we love, last week we talked to the Royals Farm Report guys. We did a waiver wire draft of the athletes that we hate. You did make mention of the AFC championship game. Happy to say Tom Brady was very much picked in that draft. So we That's wanted good. to kind of get your, this is kind of the shenanigan part of it. we like to have with our guests. We want to get your take. We only we're limited to your to three athletes that you just hate for whatever reason. We had some guy on our, on our regular show that hates Justin Turner for the Dodgers because people keep likening to a game of thrones character and yeah. he's just clearly not that guy. <laughs> so this could be completely illogical and irrational hatred but it's very real so we were we were trying to get who your top three guys that you just hate for whatever reason jaleel die the safety who is just an absolute headhunter uh-huh. uh and 
you know, just no regard for anybody's life. Yep. Julian Edelman for being the smuggest. <laughs> hey, thing. this is therapeutic. You guys are you're in senioritis week for SB Nation. <sighs> just let it fly, man. Just just let them. It's, just, it's we 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 were very restrained last week, limiting to two f bombs. But you know, hate hates you, a you. strong hates a strong word for all these guys because I don't uh-huh. try try not to be hateful, but like you can tell where I you can you can tell how I feel. Yeah. Oh yeah. Julian, Jules, Jules. The the I can't believe the hype he gets relative to the success he's had. Uh, he needed PEDs to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, I gave you two. I kind of want to go with another headhunter safety, um, but I think I might just go with Breland Spinks and drop the mic. Oh, <laughs> that yeah. one needs to be said. That's a good one. I just got I just got raked up up and down. I got raked over the coals so hard for not liking the Breland Spinks pick that like I don't know. My revenge tour is happening. I guess. <laughs> I don't know. This is the the victory lap. It's cathartic right now for me to just admit it. That was that's good. That was that was like one of my introduction, one of my first introductions at Arrowhead Pride, really, because like I'd been there for like six months and really took on ownership of the draft stuff, and yeah, people were not happy. A lot of people were confused by it in in general, but then everybody started drinking the Kool Aid. Everyone started drinking the Kool Aid, and it drove me nuts. A man of principle is Ken Swanson. I have the same takes on McCole, but we'll just wait for that uh, one to happen too. We, we're not waiting. That's already been, that ship has sailed. I'm I very so. aware of that, I think. Well, you know, it's all right. He is what he, he is. What he is. He's a fine player for what he is. I don't have as much vitriol for him as I have for Breland Speaks, but Understood. I just, I just don't like when people don't, I just, I, I, we just never have a realistic expectations for players sometimes. And it's just like, McCole's not, the next guy he's not a superstar he's a he's a gadget player and that's probably the patrick mahomes effect right a little bit i mean i mean i think it's the andy Reid effect but true because because of this how terrifying this group is there's you know he gets some opportunities just one man's opinion you know just one man's opinion sure that's all we're here that's all we're doing we're not doing anything substantial with our podcast you guys are doing great work the ap laboratory just out of curiosity the headhunting safety was that john lynch Oh, I said Jaleel Adai. I'm sorry. Okay. Oh, the other one? Yeah. I was thinking Jonathan Cyprian because I think uh, he's the guy that took out Travis Kelsey in the Tennessee Titans playoff right. game. Yep. I, uh, I thought about took it, putting John Lynch on mine just for that same reason because I, I hated that guy. John Lynch would have been a good one. Yeah. Steve John Elway, Elway too. too. John, John Elway, Elway the G- John Elway, the GM. That's my favorite athlete of all time. I No, no, because he got overrated for such a large stretch. and every, like I just hated that he was like – getting sure. credit for mm-hmm. yep. convincing Peyton Manning. Okay, cool. Great. All right. Good for you, John. He's made it Don't have a quarterback and watch what happens. You can't build a roster. <laughs> Hardest position in sports for a reason. Exactly. You can't find them. Speaking of finding them, you can find Kent Swanson on Twitter at Kent underscore Swanson. We are very much looking forward to seeing what happens with uh, you and Craig and Maddie Lane for the next project. We'll waited on bated breath to see what uh, what happens with you three but regardless we'll be uh, keeping a lookout for it also again pimping that casey draft guide for just a little bit longer you got about <laughs> what four days tops before it uh, before i guess i guess you can probably use it through the weekend too with those later round picks you guys have mm-hmm. 300 pages in it yep 
Yeah, we uh, we did 300 pages of Chiefs content, getting you ready for the draft, uh, and 225 write-ups on prospects and how they fit your favorite football team, the Kansas City Chiefs. And at least 2,000 man hours to put together. Yeah, uh, four to six of you. I don't want to do the math. Craig yeah. scared me. <laughs> <laughs> that time you guys talking about it, I was like, "Oh, I don't remember yeah. the last time I did anything for 500 hours." We, uh, yeah, we put a lot. I mean, it starts in a couple weeks for next year. I mean, yep. it's just it never stops. It never stops. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, it's it's a labor of love, though. We'd be doing yep. half of it for free. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Well, it, it comes through, it shows the, the, the quality of the product is most definitely reflective of the guys who do it and the hard work you guys put into it. So we want all the, the listeners out there to go, go check out uh, the KC Draft Guide. You can find all the links through, uh, through Ken's social media, and we're going to put some in ours as well. So um, otherwise, we'll, we'll stand by for what's next for you guys and uh, looking forward to seeing it. But most of all, we appreciate you taking time to talk to us tonight, man. Appreciate you, fellas. Thanks for having me on. And we're back. Thanks again to Ken Swanson from Arrowhead Pride. Uh, great dude. Uh, we, we got to talk to Craig Stout a few times and uh, always had a great, great time with him. And those three guys on that podcast really have a great time in general between him and Maddie Lane and Ken Swanson. So thanks again to Ken Swanson. Go check out the Arrowhead Pride stuff that they're doing and then keep, keep an eye on what they're doing from here on out. But uh, let's get into some other clearing waivers that we got to talk about. We've got to get some takes off. Um, off of our chests and deal with what uh, what we've been dealing with this past week as well, and we're going to do that in a very special segment we like to call or we like to call "Who Asked You." So you reply to my tweet on one hot take, and I'm like, "Who asked you?" So the idea here is that we've intercepted questions from the internet. We've got takes on takes on takes that we're going to give. Uh, on those questions, even though they weren't necessarily meant for us. Uh, the first question here was found more in the Mellinger minutes. The Sam Mellinger for the KC star always has his mailbag that he is now in an audio form, which is fun. Uh, if you don't like to read like all three of us, um, <laughs> you can now get it in audio form, which is very helpful. So shout out to Sam Mellinger. Um, but the question was what happens to the lineup when Alberto Mondesi comes back for the Royals? Um, his take was basically that his best guess was that if Nicky Lopez is still performing like he is and Dozier isn't, then Dozier is the one who's eventually going to move out or move around, meaning he'll either head to right field or to the bench. And I want to get our takes out on this because my immediate reaction was uh, quite visceral, uh, to say the least. <laughs> Brian, where are you at on this uh, this suggestion, and where's your head at as to what happens when Monty gets back? I had a visceral feeling as well, and it, it had a clenched fist, and I wanted to punch him <laughs> for bringing up such a thing, such a wild, ridiculous thing that Hunter Dozier would be the one to move when they made this very clear coming into spring training what their ideal plan was, and they planned the entire time. Nicky's going to be a really good defender, play second base. He's going to get what he can on offense, and we're good with that. And the job was his to lose, and he absolutely lost it in spring training, which you almost never do lose a, lose a position in spring training, but he managed to do it. And then the injury happens, and Nicky kind of gets a second chance. And since he's come back up, he's performed well, done everything they want him to do. So I see no reason why they don't go back to the original plan, play Nicky at second, kick Witt back out to right, Dozier plays third base, Hanser Alberto is the bench guy you signed 
to start the year. I mean, what else is there to do? Who of those, if you keep Witt, Nicky, and Alberto Mondesi in the infield, which one of those guys is playing third? Yeah. Like Nicky, I, I look back, he played like two games his entire professional career at third base. Uh, Witt, you don't really think he has the arm probably to play third yep. base. That's you my biggest want, issue with it for sure. You, you don't want to waste Mondesi at third base either, I feel like. Yeah. Hunter Dozier is perfectly acceptable over there. Wits fine in the outfield. I, I'm not. I'm not crazy about him playing right field on, on this team, but he's absolutely a core member of this group. So you've got to have Wit. You've got to have Dozier in the lineup, even if Nicky's doing what he's supposed to do. That still doesn't mean he's the type of player that Wit or Dozier is, for that matter. I mean, mm-hmm. he struggled the first twenty to two two weeks or whatever it's been this week. If you look at his batting average, which is what he brought up. Uh, so you, you question how many games he's actually watched because Hunter Dozier, he puts the bat on <laughs> the ball and hits it pretty hard. He's had some tough luck out. So I, yeah. I'm perfectly fine with what I've seen with Dozier at the plate. I love what Nicky's bringing to the table because we all kind of gave up hope on that. And so if he can be, be that slap hitter, take some walks, not get strike, struck out, be that bottom eight or nine hitter in the lineup, that's perfectly fine. I'm excited about it. But mm-hmm. the idea that Hunter Dozier would somehow go to the bench or down the alternate side is just maddening to me. Yep. Hunter Dozier is absolutely a part of this core. And yep. they, 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 they proved that when they signed with that extension. So get out of here with this talk about getting Dozier out of here. Just get out of here with that. In Mellinger's defense, he did go on to say that he went on, he did predict that it, that won't be the case that Dozier is going to, he's showing signs of getting a little bit hotter, um, hitting the ball harder. And he doesn't expect that to be the case because basically we're only about halfway through Mondi's rehab. So uh, to, to, to his defense, he doesn't expect that to be the case, but if it were happening right now, which is what we're talking about, then, then he thinks that that is actual a possibility. Kitty, where are you at on this? I was just going to assume the Royals are going to slot the man who's never earned anything in his life back in that two hole. Well, Montessi mm-hmm. two hole. Yep. And I wouldn't be surprised if Lopez just got sent down yeah. straight, straight away. This is, this is the plan at spring training. You were minor league bound. We're going to stick with that. There's mm-hmm. like, I mean, he's, he's been better than I expected him to be through these first 20 games. But, I mean, that's obviously a pretty low bar for most of us going into the season with his bat. So, But he's done, done what he needed to, be, to do to possibly stay up and then have – I mean, O'Hearn can go back down. That He's been in the lineup a few days here now. But they've got options. They can move guys around. But Dozier not starting every day does not seem like an idea that – would even be entertained by the Royals at this point. Yeah. Just way too early. And he's got a decent, I mean, it's not like he's got a super long track record of success, but he did have, with 2019, he had a great year for the Royals. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so just a, oh, there's 20 games this year. He hasn't hit it. He's not hitting. Okay. 20 games. Get him out. Get him out. Yeah. 20 20 games is a ridiculous amount of games to base a possible decision like that on. So I would just, I'd be shocked if Dozier didn't play every day even when Montessi gets healthy and is up here playing. The fun thing about that is Dozier's bad sample size is almost as the same as Nicky Lopez's good sample size. <laughs> it's uh, it's fun. Dozier did have a pretty tough year last year, but yeah, it couldn't get in a rhythm with weird injuries and stuff all over the place. So uh, it's tough to find a rhythm when you're not playing every day like that. But uh, you also spoke about the depth and the options that they have. And Melanie also mentioned that in his article saying that, you know, the Royals haven't had depth like this in a, in a little while. And this, the, this series against the pirates kind of show it with 
you know, they, they brought up McBroom in, in exchange for Newbury to get an extra bat in NL uh, play. And then they get Dyson and uh, O'Hearn as lefties off of the bench as well. And then McBroom, Cam Gallagher, and I'm missing somebody. Missing Hanser. Yep. Hanser. I mean, that's, those are pretty solid options off of the bat, uh, off the bench with, uh, with, you know, NL play and how that's going here. But uh, back to the Nikki and Dozier part, Nikki's slashing 286, 349, 393. Really, really good K percentage and walk rate right now. But uh, his stat cast average exit velocity is 86.3. And his eight expected batting average is 221. Both of those are very similar to the marks that he's putting up the last two seasons when we thought it was god awful. Um, he's got a pretty solid BABIP right now. But it, it, this is a matter of ceiling versus floor to me. Dozier is at his yeah. floor. He's, he's currently rocking a 138, 194, 259 slash line. Uh, very meh K percent and walk rate. And the stat cat numbers are solid. Uh, 89.9 exit value, average exit velocity and only a 235 expected batting average. Not great. Uh, he is hitting the ball hard. I thought he was starting to come around a little bit more. But you count of, you take out those first five games where he didn't have a hit. His slash line is 190, 227, and 357. So just still under a 600 OPS in that, uh, that what is that, 13 game size at that point um, coming into the nice game. So it is a very much a question of ceiling versus floor. You're not going to expect Nicky Lopez to continue at the ceiling, despite this is pretty much who we thought he was going to be when he was coming up through the minors. So you're, you're kind of getting the ceiling or at least what you expected out of Nicky Lopez versus a down Hunter Dozier. They didn't pay him $25 million in the offseason to send him to the alternate site or down to the minors. So I think that this is going to be a, a fun situation to watch. Likely not going to matter because by the time Mondesi gets back, there's probably going to be an injury that won't, uh, that'll kind of keep it all from happening. So uh, we'll kind of keep an eye on that situation, but I, yeah, the three of us are kind of in agreement that there's no reason why Hunter Dozier should be seeing the bench with Nikki Lopez being in the, in the lineup. So that's our two cents. We love you, Sam Ellinger, but you're wrong here. Just telling you, <laughs> we, we see your point. We accept your argument, but you're wrong. <laughs> moving on Good. uh chiefs went out and got a tackle left tackle to be exact uh mr orlando brown jr traded from the baltimore ravens the chiefs sent their 2021 first third and fourth round pick as well as a 2022 fifth round pick uh, baltimore gave up uh brown obviously and then a 2021 second round pick and a 2022 sixth round pick orlando brown's gonna be 25 years old already made two Pro Bowls in his last two seasons. This one primarily at left tackle, where we're kind of shooting uh, for it here. And the question really comes from Pro Football Focus and those dorks over there at Pro Football Focus at PFF. Their question was, who won the Orlando Brown trade? And on their stupid podcast, Eric Eager and George Kruri, I don't know how to spell his or how to say his name, but He's based, their points were basically that Orlando Brown's going to cost five to six times more than any of those picks that they gave up. He's the 25 highest rated offensive tackle in football last season per their scoring system. They called it another blunder by the Chiefs to go with the Frank Clark trade and the drafting of Clyde Edwards Elair. And they cite the depth through the draft as the only way to sustain success around Patrick Mahomes. Some of those I agree with, not many of them. So uh, I'm interested to see where you're outside the Chiefs kingdom fandom. 
perspective here is here on uh, this trade, Kitty. What do you got? Who won this trade? I don't care. That, okay. <laughs> My honest Deal. opinion is I don't care. But it I affects mean, you and both your your podcast buddies <laughs> and your team. It's, That's you true. I mean, hopefully that Baltimore line becomes just garbage now that it, or Orlando Brown's gone and the Bengals can front four to dominate the hell out of it. So mm-hmm. that'd be nice if the uh, Ravens lost his trade and the Bengals can take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, known commodities are always better than draft capital in my book. Yeah. You can have all the picks you want, but there's no guarantee any of those picks hit. Yeah. It's crazy how often top 10 players don't work out in the draft. Mm-hmm. So to get someone that you know, their skill set, know their ability, know who they are. That's huge. So I would lean Chiefs on the trade. I mean, asking or talking about, oh, well, the picks that they they gave up aren't going to cost as much. Well, no shit. (laughs) Right. That's not how this works. A four-year veteran versus five (laughs) rookies aren't going to cost the same. Uh Idiots. What a bunch of morons. It's kind of stupid crap you get from nerds. (laughs) I would love to see the production and see if their career production are going to be five right. to six times yeah. more or less right i mean it's just that's a ridiculous argument yeah so what if what if the guy they drafted first round the ravens try to get a replacement left tackle and he never starts a game yeah there he didn't cost didn't cost a dime but he mm-hmm. sucked ass awesome yep. he cost you more money. than money yep yeah exactly and then lose a bunch of games because you have no left tackle right it's just a stupid argument money yep. versus... Ugh, so yeah. i'm with you brian where are you at i can only imagine <clears throat> I mean, it's hard to say the Ravens lost the trade. It's ridiculous to say the Ravens won the trade right now. Yeah. Because we have no idea who they're going to get with those picks that they traded. It's it's insane to say the Chiefs definitely lost it. They definitely didn't lose it because they have now have a young stud left tackle, and that's absolutely what they needed and almost certainly were not going to have available there at 31. Mm-hmm. And the Ravens just said, here you go, best team in the AFC that we're trying to beat. <sighs> Here's the, here's a huge plug for this hole you have on your on your line where we actually had a chance to compete with you. Here, have this young guy. You and we get pick thirty one where we can take uh, interior offensive line, maybe uh maybe a linebacker that's that's not a stud, not at the top of the draft. You know, we can get maybe a a borderline starter for at thirty one. And so here, take this take this huge plug for your hole you have and and come beat our brains in again because we're idiots for giving you a stud left tackle. I mean, mm-hmm. this guy's going to cost like these salary numbers this year's like someone's rookie deal. It's like $3 million cap. Yep. They can still franchise tag him for two more years at a reasonable price. If he really is a stud left tackle, you're getting him at a, at a kind of a steal, but likely they don't want to piss him off. He'll play this rookie year deal and they'll sign him to a real extension. Uh, it, it, it's, it's a nice consolation prize after losing out on Trent Williams. Trent Williams was the ultimate known player and mm-hmm. you don't have to give up draft picks. You just give him a ton of money and you say your, your left tackle's good for the next five, 10 years, whatever they wouldn't assign him to. But this is a great consolation prize and it's beyond ridiculous to try to claim that the Ravens won this trade right now because it's just, it's just <laughs> stupid. I mean, draft picks more often than not don't become anything more than maybe depth on your roster. And mm-hmm. when you're talking about giving the other team a starting left tackle when they weren't going to get that at 31. That's just, it's just ridiculous to try to make a claim that the Ravens won this trade right now. hundred percent. Now we've talked about it multiple times. The recipe for beating the Kansas city chiefs very much includes generating a pass rush that void that they had 
on both sides of the line. We don't know what Lucas Nyang is going to look like. They had big voids on both sides. Yep. You basically were, they were hamstrung from jump street, not being able to, to fill those voids through free agency yet, even though they probably were going to do another move. If they didn't do this, I would think, but you're basically, you're, you're giving them an out. You're, you're, you're letting them off the hook by making this trade in your own, in your own conference. Nonetheless, you're chasing these guys and you're helping them fill their void. Yeah. You did get some good solid draft capital that, I mean, the Ravens are great at drafting, so they're probably going to hit on those guys, which is great for them. Ultimately, I think that this trade is very even both teams got what they needed. And if it's just for the simple fact that the Ravens basically let the chiefs off the hook, uh, that would automatically make it a Chiefs win on on my end, fifty one percent to forty nine percent in my head, um, just for that simple fact. So, yeah, I, and the fact that they got a second rounder out of there was huge to me. I don't I don't know if anybody else is in on that boat, but it seems like you're you're you can you can use that to take your home run swing to take or or see if you can get some insurance policies on on you know Nyang or see what what's going on with that offensive line or the edge. So. There's, there's multiple things you can do with that second-round pick. I thought that was huge to, to get back as well. So, And if you pick up that KC draft guide, they've got in there that the trade value chart that everyone talks about on, on draft day about, you know, I think it may be Jimmy Johnson or somebody that the Cowboys kind of came up with this. Yep. Every pick is worth a number, you know, a unit value-wise. And they, they used that chart to kind of come up with the, what this compensation was. And they basically said we gave up a 38th overall pick for Orlando Brown Jr. at, at the mm-hmm. end of the day. And – when you're talking about giving up a second round pick for a starting left tackle that you're confident in putting over there, I think you take that all day, every day. Yep. I would hundred percent agree. And at that point, you know, Trent Williams is going to cost a lot of money for a lot of years and we'll see what happens with Orlando Brown and whatever they get at second round. So uh, there's a potential for the pick to even be better than signing Trent Williams at this point, but let's see how that all pans out. Speaking of that 58 and 63 pick, the third question here is basically from Chiefs Kingdom. They're going to ask just the ether and all the experts and not us, but we intercepted it. So here we go. We're running with it, taking it back to the house. Who do the Chiefs take at 53 and 58 and 63? I'm sorry. Um, there's mock drafts galore. Go check them out. I mean, there's plenty, plenty of good stuff here. A lot of intriguing moves, but um, Brian, I'm going to come to you on this and I'll probably leave you out of this kitty. <laughs> Appreciate it. Who, who, who you got at uh, 58 and 63? What do you want to do with uh, those two, those two picks specifically? Well, we we kind of talked to Kent about the approach with this, having only those second round picks, not having first, not having a third, kind of puts the pressure on them. You stick with the best player available. And I agree with him that, you know, outside of quarterback, defensive tackle, running back, you can pretty much take the best player available and you kind of need their help at this point. That's somewhere yep. along. The, and it's kind of crazy to say that for a team that's been to back-to-back Super Bowls, three-time AFC championship game that they have, they, they can use help. But, I mean, every team can use help somewhere, right? The main thing was at the left tackle spot is filled. That was the glaring hole. Right. I think I think next for me, I think if, if they could fill that edge, with a real guy, a real contributor. They've got some guys over there opposite of Frank Clark that can uh, rotate in and contribute. But if you can find a guy at 58 that can actually, you know, be a stud, this D-line could be a real strength and a real problem for, for the other team. And the other thing we talked to Ken about was, you know, maybe finding another stud tight end to play behind Travis Kelsey or we're looking at a second wide receiver. And I kind of lean the opposite of what Kent went with. I, I wouldn't mind getting another stud tight end 
changing up the entire look of this offense because mm. the way this game is, you're, you're trying to always evolve your look. You don't want to get stale where teams have you figured out. Um, you know, he talked about how we play with a lot of wide receivers traditionally. I agree with that. I'm saying let's, let's change it up a little bit on the defenses. Let's change it up. These, these AFC West teams have basically built their team to stop our air raid offense. They've got a lot of good young D-backs. They've got guys that struggle to, tra- to guard Travis Kelsey right now. And if you throw a guy like Trimble or the young guy out of Penn State out there that are yeah. two guys that are really tough to guard at the same time at the tight end position, they're saying, oh, shit, we barely had a guy that could govern, that guard Kelsey, and now we got to find a, a secondary bigger-ish guy to guard this <laughs> new tight end. And, oh, by the way, if you get a guy like Tommy Trimble, which Kent talked about, he's a mauler, we also just brought in a left tackle that's known to be a mauler. Joe Tooney can be a mauler. What about all of a sudden you want to give us the look the Buffalo gave us in the regular season and they ran, we ran on down their throat? We mm-hmm. can do that even better with a yep. stud t- tight end to a stud left tackle. It's just a fun thing. It's kind of like uh, how do you want approach to this offense? How do you want it, defense? You want us to cram it down your throat? Because we'll do that all day with our two tight end sets. Do you want us to throw all over you? Because we'll do that too. Because we've got a we've got an actual dual threat at tight end yeah. too. No disrespect to Belldozer, I love him, but he's, <laughs> he's not on the level of a guy that the other the defense is going to game plan against. And if yeah. I'm choosing between a tight end two and a sketch, it just feels like you don't find a bunch of stud wide receiver twos in the second to third round. Sometimes you get lucky and a DK Metcalf falls in your lap or a Terry McLaurin, you know, falls in your lap and they end up being absolute studs. But it feels like if you look at the best tight ends in the league, like Kittle, I think, was like a fifth rounder. Kelsey was third rounder. A lot of these got Waller, I think, was like a sixth rounder. So you can get stud tight ends if, if you really know them well and use them and be use them as an actual weapon. I feel like maybe they hit a little more than, than rolling dice on a wide receiver that's not viewed as being that top tier in the first yeah. round. Drops They drop to the second, third round for a reason. So I wouldn't mind going this tight end approach and – and just kind of screwing with defenses a little bit when they've watched us play air raid for the past couple of years. And now we've got, you know, we've got a first round running back that we haven't really been able to show yep. off all that much. Uh, maybe you want to take some pressure off Pat. I know they love to just throw it uh, around the yard. And we, we talked about it all last year, throw it every down. I don't care. Use Clyde, the, <laughs> the passing game. But if, you, if you've got some maulers on the line now and you can add a, a tight end that can go 12 personnel with you and you can maul some people back, I don't hate that either. So yeah. Ooh, I'm, I'm excited for the return of Marty ball to Kansas city. This Let's go. Nice. That's exciting. <laughs> run, run, pass. God, run, run, that, pass. That would be the ultimate. It'll be first downs now, right? Let's let the PFF nerds deal with the uh, first down uh, conversion market that we're going to set here in Kansas city. That's right. Bunch of four yard gains every down. Just keep... uh, damn right. What's the old uh, matriculating down the field? Uh-huh. Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> Brian, but you basically you, hit all the points that I was going to make there with specifically with Frank Clark, you know, it, it'd be good to get somebody in to be opposite of him, but I think his money could probably coming off after the next season in 2022. I think he's, he's a uh, 12 and a half million dollars to cut or restructure or something. So they could potentially start looking for his replacement or uh, maybe just his, you know, right hand man type of guy. Uh, to go with them this year. So I, I'd be totally down with that edge, see what happens with that. And then, like you said, Clyde should be taking a step forward in the passing game this this year. 
uh, I have a big, big uh, idea that Clyde is going to have a big, big year this year, um, breakout year in my, in my opinion. And we talked about just a couple of positions, but obviously in that second round range, there's usually some really good interior offensive linemen and this mm -hmm. team kind of still lacks a really stud center. They signed, you know, the center from yeah. uh, the, the Rams, but I think they could probably still upgrade with a, with one of those two first picks. And, you know, I we always love getting toys in this offense, but if you got another dominant offensive lineman that you can add to, to protect and open up lanes, I'm all for that as well. So, mm -hmm. I mean, you want to go corner, you want to go safety, you want to find a linebacker to place Ben Neiman. I'm good with all those. Just find winners. Two, two winners. We need two yep. winners right there. Two winners. It, it was not a – it seemed very much like they were at their best when they were playing backyard football, uh, and that requires Patrick Mahomes to have time. Yep. So to be able to build that offensive line brand new, it's kind of wait to see what happens with it. Do have some quality, some youth on there, um, but we're going to have to wait and see what it is. But, it, I mean, at that point, if he's got time, he doesn't need a lot of weapons. They're, right. they're going to get on the same page and figure out where they need to be, and they're going to be there. So I, I don't have – a whole lot of worry about that offense. Obviously, we like new toys, but yeah, give Patrick Mahomes some time and uh, uh, it'll all work out in the end. So that'll do it for the clearing the waivers this week. We're going to move on to some shenanigans, but first we got to hear from our sponsors. We'll be back right after this. And we're back. We got some sh sh short and sweet shenanigans for the week. We brought waiver wire or the waiver watch waiting game coming back, as well as a good keep trade cut uh, draft food edition. So, without further ado, let's get into the waiver wa waiver watch waiting game. Waiver watch waiting game. Waiver watch waiting game. You it's came like up that, with that tongue twist. It's like that. Yeah, that title is just <laughs> created to mess with me. I don't know. <laughs> What ass did that? Who put that title together, <laughs> man? Rude. <laughs> is what the name of the next game is. Uh, Waiver Watch Waiting Game brought it back. We got TVs and movies that are all coming from one general theme, with the theme being a movie or a TV show that in, that is about or involves or features or even hints at some form of draft. So we got a big week. We just talked about it for 17 and a half minutes. So we're going to talk about it a little bit more in a different way. So we each got a movie or a TV show, got their Rotten Tomatoes score, and we're going to try to guess the critic score of each movie or show. I'm going to start off with the random one. I randomly picked one. You guys are going to hate it. But <laughs> I also don't know the Rotten Tomatoes score, so I can compete here as well. The show, it's a miniseries on HBO called John Adams that involved the drafting of the Declaration <laughs> of Independence oh, and the U.S. Constitution. This was just like a mini-series? <laughs> Paul Giovanni and Laura Linney and, yeah, all, oh, all so kinds of good like stuff. this was like on a major network or something? HBO. Yo, yeah. Oh, wow. Well, they, they actually they let Paul Giamatti be on camera the whole time, huh? That's sure, good. sure <laughs> did. He's titular character. Take. I kind of oh, like the, the, the version of the Chris Gethard show where he wasn't on camera mm -hmm. most of the time. That was my favorite my episode. God, that's more my so speed. <laughs> guess what's in this dumpster? What is in the dumpster? What a game. <laughs> so we've, we're going to guess the Rotten Tomato critic score of John Adams from, hold on, 2008. Oh, okay. thanks for another year. I'm in. Yep. No, I'm in. Um, okay. I'm in as well. Uh, let's start off with Brian. I just can't wait to hear your explanation for this. <laughs> This sounds like a fart sniffer's dream. Uh 
some old ass shit history with new actors. Uh, so I'm gonna say it's a hit, fresh, seventy-seven. Okay, Kitty. I'm on the same line of thinking as Brian. There, I this is prestige TV right here, right up sure. old history, uh, Constitution, John Adams. This is great, and I'm gonna go. I went eighty-three. So critics, eighty-three. Okay. I am right there with you guys. Uh, Giamatti was at the height of his powers in 2008. Um, so I think that is gonna, that's going to benefit to this as well. I went 87. Was he just off duets or something? Here? Just off, yeah. Duets. It was duets. Surely there's a Spider-Man appearance in there somewhere or something. Um, the critics, let's start with the audience score. Audience score was an 88. Wow. Ooh. So, I mean, I guess if you're going out of your way to if you're going out of your way to watch John Adams on HBO, I think you know damn well what you're doing. You're already liking the show. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Although so, there's, there's serious potential for you not following the script and you you took liberties with some stuff that were said and done. And if you do that, I mean, that's like going against like a Harry Potter book or something. Well, that's it's true. kind. Of, it's a little different than that. It's a little <laughs> different than that. I think I'm going to go exact same thing. All right, exact yeah. same thing. Nerd you're both nerd nerds. rage that's true it's like hyper nerd at that point and as a hyper nerd i would like to say that the audience score was an 81 audience oh, or critics? critics that was a critics i'm sorry critic score was 81 audience oh. was an 88 so i got real close to the audience yeah. kitty got real close to the critics and brian is somewhere around there as well right around there yep yeah nice first round so kitty adams Kitty, you're not fooling any of us. <laughs> Kitty's in the lead, so he's going to go next. Kitty, what do you got? All right. I went with one of our favorite shows around here on this pod with The League. Okay. And I chose season seven because this, ep- this season contained the episode of the auction draft mm. where Andre had the 1890s, like, Gilded Age theme. So everyone oh, was no. dressed up like old old timey and they're draft they're auctioning off football players oh, mm. no. i wonder how this could go <laughs> anywhere besides horribly wrong <laughs> so can i ask I, you if this is your, this is the whole season i did the whole season i did the entire season season seven was this the last this season I, second it was either the last or second to last let okay. me because that's going to change it up it. big time yeah let me not i didn't even really like the last season (laughs) but i love that show yeah i was like i mean it was great yeah just let's see come on computer let's work a little faster all right i think i'm in i think it might it's looking like the last season this is 84 episodes probably 12 per just get your number yeah last season I'm in final <laughs> final season. All right. No, oh, it's final. Oh, I'm going down. And what's the final season? Okay. 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 All right. Good. Josh, I'll let you go first and share. Uh, you're so ready to go now. I originally had the old Sean Kemp 40 percent on there, and then you said last season, so I went to the old Marcus Allen Kansas City Chiefs 32. Yikes! All right, that's real. Uh, really ripping down the league here. No <laughs> this kidding. season seven. That BK. that season sucked bad <laughs> i'm going with okay so it may have been a down season but if you're still with it on seven you're not going to be super 
critical, I feel like. So let's say it was rotten at 52. Oh, so close to the audience score there. With that 52. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> it was a 51 on the audience score. That's tough. But the critics for season seven absolutely hated it. 81. Holy no, shit. that can't be true. Rotten Tomatoes critics is 81. <laughs> 16 ratings, 81% from the critics. Oh my God. With oh. the squad up to their usual tricks, the league seems to be in game shape going into its final season. What? Wow. Yeah. How about it? How do we always find the dumbest, like <laughs> most ridiculous I want to make sure. surprise? I don't know. I want to make sure I had that right. So I went back to, to check the, make sure I had the seasons, not the overall score. But yeah, Unreal. season seven, 81. Set city. Well, congrats to Kitty for, for his win for this oh, week. I'm sure I'll blow it somewhere. Sure, I'll blow it somewhere. So at this point, the next time we do this, we just need to find those, like the biggest surprise. And that's already going to give us a leg up for sure. <laughs> exactly. That's cheating. The whole other game that's at that point. I didn't that even is. try to find a surprise. I, this was this was what came to mind. I love that episode of the auction draft. Wow. Yeah. All right. Well, of course, Andre had Andre has a theme to a stupid draft. That's so dumb. <laughs> um. Okay. Brian, you are you are second place right now, so I'm gonna let you roll first. Yeah, just getting beat by kitties too. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm gonna go. <laughs> with 1996 jerry Maguire. uh-huh jerry o'connell was frank cushman cush lash in the first like <laughs> i don't know quarter of the movie when he was trying to be his agent he's gonna be a first overall draft pick yep <sighs> human head weighs eight pounds <laughs> the rest of the movie doesn't <laughs> had didn't have anything to do with the draft but that was enough that was on my yeah. mind i uh i never thought about it i'm in all right in Kitty's got his number two off, so let's go with Kitty first. I feel like this is uh, pretty well liked by most critics, so I went with 78. Okay. Okay. Josh. I am in the similar ballpark here. I went with the old Eric Fisher 72. Okay. <laughs> I would really need to research a lot of football player numbers to try to start just throw that out there, <laughs> whose number I picked. Well, you guys are pretty close, but nobody's right on. Audience came in at 79. Oh, Critic, Critics actually higher at 83. Wow. Nice. Yeah, not not too surprising there. Kitty trying to break right. records here. Yep. Oh, man, big one. Huge star. Yeah. Josh is pretty good at that usually. He can <laughs> throw the old curveballs in this game. I am very excited that it comes down to this. <laughs> If I were taking Kitty down with one thing, it would be a Marvel movie. Oh, no. A draft? <laughs> Captain America, the first Avenger, was set in World War II where he was trying to make the draft. That's why he took the super soldier serum to get and go fight for his country. God bless him. What? Oh, what Captain America, the first Avenger. What was the critics' score? What year did this come out? 2011. Okay. 2011. Hmm. I'm very, very happy with this. By the way, <laughs> explaining this the scenario just 
All right, I'm in. I'm in. I'm going to save the theatrics for last. Brian, what was your guess for Captain <laughs> America, the first Avenger? So these comic book movies either get completely shit on and we're talking like 24 or they love them and we're talking 90s. So I'm going to mm-hmm. go with they love them and a 91. Tom 91. Bahali. Okay. Kitty? Shockingly enough, I have not seen this movie. Oh, weird. <laughs> Got a pretty good idea of what it's about. And I just told you what it's about. Being early, Hope you have a pretty good the, idea. <laughs> being early in the run of the Marvel movies, I think the critics are probably still on board here. I went with seventy-two. Thought about shooting right down the middle and saying fifty, just to try to hedge my bets, but I'm going to go a little higher than that. Maybe get just maybe just get a kick in the pants here with <laughs> a huge comeback. I am happy to report that. The audience gave it an 80. The critics gave it a 74. Kitty. Oh! Nine nine points this week. Incredible. What a run. What a round. What a round. Congratulations. So uh, for that, you win the number one prize of going first in the Keep Trade Cut for this week. Keep Trade or Cut. Keep Trade Cut draft round one food edition we've got uh, three foods that were circling the internet uh, mostly among the arrowhead pride guys we're talking about what their menu is going to be for the draft night um, so we've got the three that they were talking about ribs tacos and wings we're going to keep one trade one and cut one i'm going to trade one for something else that we are also wanting to have so kitty you are going to go first followed by brian and then myself go ahead what do you got all right since it's a draft day only event here, I'm cutting tacos. Uh-huh. If this was a, what do you want to eat every day? Tacos went out <laughs> to me easily in this, in these three options. But mm-hmm. since it's a yes, it's versatility on tacos, gives me that. But one day event, not you're out tacos. Sorry. Okay. I'm keeping wings. Love me some wings. Just so many great flavor <laughs> options there. So many, just give me that. Mostly I just want Buffalo wings. Just, Give me the hot and spicy wings. And so with that, sorry, ribs, got to trade you. Yeah. I think they got a lot of a lot of trade potential though. I think people really uh, really dig the ribs. So I'm taking my plate of ribs and I'm heading over to Josh's house and I'm trading my ribs for his guacamole because I know he just wants nothing to do with that. Perfectly <laughs> fine. That was the dumbest <laughs> trade ever. Not for me. I love me some it's a big old bowl, probably four or five avocados on there i'm eating that's all day long you're just scooping it out just if i if i run out putting of chips, it on your I'm wings using, i'm using my hand if i run out of chips oh god might put on the wing who knows go crazy <laughs> draft day who knows what's gonna happen it's true it's a real <laughs> wild card real car, wild card day brian you were second place go ahead this is a tough one just because it feels sacrilegious but i gotta cut ribs uh, cut ribs, are, ribs are my favorite food but if we're talking about draft day you're talking about hours of draft. And in my mind, ribs, you have to eat them right out of the smoker. That's one of the best. You want to eat them and then kind of be done with them. You're not probably not going to go back to them in three hours and want to snack on them. It's just not the same. So I, I, mm-hmm. they're kind of messy. You know, you don't want to mess with that. So let's cut the ribs for draft day. I'm trading the wings. 
that we talk no. about value. I, I think people, you know, like they you know, tribute wings with draft day. So people will want them. But to me, just when you talk comparing them to tacos, they're just a little messy. I'll, I'll happily eat a wing when it's cold, but somebody else will too. I'll trade that for a pizza. I'm going to order way too much pizza. And <laughs> you can confidently enjoy a pizza that's been sitting out for hours on end. And you have no problem picking that sucker up and just slamming it when you're on the last pick of the first round or you're end of round three, you get starting to get that hunger again. You need a little something. I want that pizza to be sitting there for me. So I'll mm -hmm. trade for the pizza. And that means I'm keeping tacos because in my mind, I've got a taco bar built, right? I got mm -hmm. my taco meat in the crock pot. It's always going to be warm. Anytime you want to go back and make yourself a nice little taco, it's right there waiting for you. Sprinkle some cheese on that sucker, melts right over that hot meat, and you can eat that all weekend. You got this taco meat all weekend long. The draft won't last three days. I got plenty of taco meat. I'm going to get sick of tacos by Saturday evening. I didn't even think about the uh, taco bar station. That's, that's a great yeah. move. And I was just thinking it's going to be already just – they're laid out just as is. Yeah. No, uh, yeah, no crock pot. That's, that's my the mistake. Crock pot is a, good, is a good key to that, I think. Hey, you sure. want to trick your brain? Make some nachos for that second round. Ooh. Tortilla chips <laughs> just, on the plate. Make some or nachos. Just, or just crunch up those taco shells. Boom. Don't even, need, don't even need the tortilla chips. Taco what? I'm here to tell you. <laughs> tacos are the, the most overrated meal of all time. Woo! Um, overrated. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Are you, are you including overrated. crunchy and soft tacos in this? I'm including the, me the mess of tacos. Overrated, boys. Overrated. Overrated rated how are you getting such messy tacos bro i'm not i mean it's just tacos they're they're never filling never filling you can get 26 of them and, and be completely fine some of us on this podcast might have done it 21 well i did 26 no big deal no you didn't i did them Different i got restaurant. i got sources regardless i'm cutting tacos here regardless i believe here regardless lee i'm cutting tacos dumb Rarely have I had a memorable taco. Period to the end. I'm mm, keeping wings as well because you can switch up the variety. You can get the different sauces. You can get different dips. Uh, guacamole can go to hell. <laughs> so I don't think that counts for either. But I think you can you can mix it up enough to trick your brain, like you were saying, Brian. I think that's a good point. But you can also monitor your intake easier. Like I could probably fit one more wing in there, or I probably need to stop at that wing. I mean, it's easier to monitor the intake there. Like you said, kind of sacrilegious, tough to take. It's the number one food on this draft board, but ribs, got to trade them. Probably got the most trade value here, but again, three to four hours you're sitting there. You don't want meat sweats. You don't want that meat coma that's incoming whenever you eat too many ribs because you just can't stop when you nope. stop. You eat until there's only bones, period. <laughs> so I think I got to get the good trade value from ribs, and I'm trading also for a pizza because, A, pizza is number one outside of ribs. And B, you can also easily monitor your intake and then good for grazing as well. So give me pizza as well for that. I mean, it depends on how many pizzas you got there. It's got, sometimes you can really uh, lose your mind and not remember how many slices you had, unless you're one of those weirdos that leaves the, the crust around. Ooh. Who does that? I don't know. I've seen it. I've seen it at office parties. Like, what's going on here? Ooh, who even the, office who brought, parties. Who brought the six-year-old to eat pizza? I don't like the crust. <laughs> you just ate a slice of pizza with crust all along the bottom. Eat the damn crust. Quit crying. Probably eat a lot of guacamole. Can't trust them. 
Can't maybe trust them. Need, maybe that's what we need next time they order a pizza at the office when we actually go back to one of those. Yep. Get a bowl of guacamole for that uh, leftover crust at the end. For those that just sounds disgusting. Genius. Um, so that's going to do it for the Clean Warriors podcast this week. We need to thank Clint Swanson once again. Go check out his work as well as all the other great contributors and writers and podcasters for the Arrowhead Pride Network. Um, shout out to them. But shout out to all you listeners for, for joining us again this week. We appreciate you uh, taking the time to do that. We uh, appreciate each second that you give us of your attention. We uh, really, really thank you for that. But for Brian and Kitty and Josh, thanks for joining us once again. Ta-ta for now.